0: WrestlePlug Plug for, for, for life Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE It's like ordering uh, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke
1: What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land
0: Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. Oh. wrestling talent. I'm a true champion. Super! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the WrestlePlug podcast. I look a little flustered and that's because the ultimate man crush that we keep banging on about, the huge megastar that is Canadian Strongstar's own Josh Alexander, has actually taken time out of his busy schedule to chat with me on Valentine's Day. That is just a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen, so do not panic. Josh Alexander, thank you so much for joining me at the WrestlePlug. This is genuinely a massive honor for me and everybody who listens to the
1: podcast. I mean, I, I listened to your last podcast because I got tagged in it with the, uh, you know, the subject matter that you were <laughs> speaking of, and uh, I ended up listening to it while I was driving to pick up my son, so I had some time on my hands, and I rather enjoyed conversation you guys had so i'm happy to be here um that's
0: incredibly humbling thank you so much uh i Obviously, you'll have noticed that we're pretty casual. We don't tend to just hammer in questions and interviews. We like to have a, a free-flowing conversation. And I've got a very limited kind of knowledge in wrestling and myself, so that hopefully will lend itself a little bit for <laughs> the conversation. But um, for people who may not necessarily know Josh Alexander as well, the Cretins of the world, um, obviously the United Kingdom over here, you you're astonishingly popular over here. I don't know if you realize how popular the North, especially, obviously, is something that people will recognize dearly, particularly as in Impact Wrestling is available on um, free TV over in the United Kingdom, which is a real big bonus for us. Um, I guess I'll go with the obvious stuff first. How does Josh Alexander first really discover wrestling? When's the first point where you thought that's what I want to be. And not only do I want to be that I want to be the very best
1: version that Canada can afford to offer. The second I, I, I realized this is something I wanted to do and be good at and all that stuff is a completely different thing than the, the usual question I'm asked on podcasts of when I discovered wrestling, but, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, it was after I started training, to be honest. I, I started training just as an interest in wrestling and athletics and you know, find, trying to find a sense of community and like-minded individuals because I didn't have very many friends where I moved to and you know, just to be part of something. And I didn't realize until I got there uh, I'd already known, I've said it before, uh tuning into the very first TNA pay-per-view, that very first match, mm. Loki, AJ Styles, and Jerry Lynn against the Flying Elvises was the first match I ever saw there. And it blew me away. And it was mainly guys like Logie and AJ Styles that like through them I found Ring of Honor. And it wasn't until I started training uh Alessandro Del Bruno, he's a local wrestler here in Ontario. He's been around for nearly 15 years. Oh, oh, sorry, just as long as me, 16 years now. And uh, he gave me a bunch of burnt discs to take home with me back in 2005. And I took them home. And through that, I discovered even more Ring of Honor and stuff like that. And through that, like just seeing guys like Samoa Joe and Kevin Steen as like, I was probably around 255 pounds at six feet tall and like not ripped and shredded like a guy like Randy Orton, who was nearly my age at that time. So like, it made it look like it was possible for me to at least achieve what they were doing, which was, you know, there were there was worldwide success for Kevin Steen and Zero One and Ring of Honor and CCW and PWG and all this stuff. And just seeing a guy that big, but not aesthetically as a bodybuilder, like solidified it to me that this was possible. I could get by on talent. So like that, it was something like that that was the catalyst.
0: The, um. I imagine, because obviously the heritage of Canadian wrestling is so rich. And, you know, even as a Brit, I'm very aware. Obviously, my favorite wrestler of all time is Bret Hart. So I took a real vested interest from a very early age. I'm an old man as well, which doesn't help. Um, so I remember <laughs> Bret vividly. And uh, from, a, from the get-go, even from a young age, I recognized that Canada offered an extraordinary amount to the wrestling landscape. But not necessarily you are afforded the opportunities and obviously i'll get into that at some point um but as a canadian wrestler have you felt that when you obviously you know getting opportunities reasonably early on you know getting to work for places like ring of honor and stuff like that would have been a real eye-opener and a great opportunity for you to learn about the work ethic involved in being a part of somewhere so professional but do you feel that um (laughs) For lack of a better term is there any pressure because there is such an assumption in the wrestling community at least from what i've been exposed to that canada and wrestlers from canada tend to be of a finer crop a definitely something that's regarded as more professional does does there ever feel like there's ever been any pressure from that standpoint being canadian
1: i think there's the two-part answer i, I don't i don't feel the pressure personally And I don't think, I don't think I put any pressure, I put pressure on my students and people that represent me to represent me as professionals, because that's my, that's like my, my reputation's on the line with them. And I think that is part of the answer. I think we have a lot of really good coaches and trainers that have lent that down through generations so that everybody that's coming out of Canada, for the most part, has a respect for the business and a respect for everybody that contributes to this business so that you know we we can hold our heads high as part of it uh that's one thing another thing is like when i first started when i look at professional wrestling in canada i it all starts with calgary alberta it starts with the heart dungeon obviously and that's not to like overlook like the french canadian scene or maple leaf wrestling or anything else that had part in history but clearly above them. Above all, Stampede Wrestling produced the best wrestlers Canada has ever produced. And then after that, you had this lull, and then you didn't have till you had to wait until almost Edge and Christian before you had anybody come out. And then after that, it was the Bobby Roods and the Eric Youngs and the Kevin Steens and the Sami Zaynes. And now it's the player Unos and the play, and or sorry, the evil, evil Unos. And uh, sorry, he's, he's something else completely different to me. And Stu and me and Ethan Page and guys like that. And I I think it's just, we have to go through so much in Canada and you have to be a cut above anything else, anybody else in America to even be considered. So the people coming out of Canada have to be worth it and they have to be professional and they have to be, you know, of a caliber. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's just what it is. Yeah, it seems to
0: me that it's more um, that the mentality that obviously just from watching you wrestle for the many years I have and Carl as well, who's associated with a the podcast, there's an astonishing level of professionalism that we feel that is not necessarily just afforded to Canadian wrestlers, is actually embedded in their culture. And it feels like you've kind of, you know, lent towards that with that answer, which I really appreciate. And obviously, it's not anything I'd expect any differently. Um on a more light note obviously people will know you as a member of the north now um if you ever get a chance to check out our awards podcast you were given um a, a clean sweep by us as tag team of the year for 2020 which we were both really excited about because most people obviously assume you're just going to mention you know wwe or aw and as you've probably noticed uh, i take a great deal of pride in talking about impact wrestling on a podcast i love impact wrestling and you know without trying to blow smoke one of the biggest reasons and one of the biggest inspirations I've had is you and Ethan Page, who uh, people may not realize uh, the North isn't something that is just kind of rocked up over the last couple of years. The relationship between you two has actually been very strong and you've known each other in wrestling for, I think, the best part of 10 years, if not more. Um, I remember you being PWG Tag Team Champions. PWG was a huge thing for me. That was my first real exposure to independent wrestling, other than Ring of Honor. And obviously, I got to witness some small amounts of work that you've done in Ring of Honor, but that was the first time where I saw you and Ethan Page and thought, oh, wow. And then things fall off the radar. It's more difficult to see that over here. And then, of course, the north blossoms the way it did. Um, But obviously, you're leaning more towards a singles career now. But what people don't realize is that you actually were very prominent as a singles wrestler, Destiny Wrestling as well, uh, which is, I know, somewhere that you take a great deal of pride in being you know uh your championship run there and some of the matches you've had are genuinely some of the best wrestling matches I think a lot of us have ever seen personally. Um, particularly obviously you've had the opportunity to work with so many British guys as well. And as you know, the British scene has become incredibly strong in its own right. Um everyone's gonna ask you, I know you've been on podcasts and everyone's like, Oh, tell us about the North, tell us how funny Ethan Page is. And we don't know how hysterical he is, and um, but for me. How much do you lend your identity and also your passion for wrestling in your later years to what you've been able to achieve as a creative part of the North? Because there's such an astonishing amount of creativity there. And as we all know, Ethan Page is bonkers, but also an astonishingly brilliant mind for wrestling.
1: Uh, I've said it like a million times that tagging as the North or as Monster Mafia is the most fun I have wrestling. And that's because... It's it's so much easier. There's 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 far less pressure. I, I can't think of a scenario where in this last run as the north, like where we step foot in the ring and like I had these these overwhelming butterflies or this 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 feeling of pressure. Like I had to rise to the occasion. Like I, I feel that every single time because every time I step foot in the ring, I, I want to steal the show. I want to do the best. You know, I I just want to overachieve at all times. But like just it's there's something calming about being there side by side with Ethan, because I know he's going to pick up whatever slack I might leave. And I'm going to be there to pick up whatever slack he might leave. And I enjoy the pressure and like the not knowing where we're going to have to fill in those gaps. But it, it's always been, that's been the most fun for me. And that's not taking away anything from my singles wrestling. It's just singles is a whole different type of pressure. It's uh, and for somebody like me, Uh, I put so much pressure on myself to overperform that there's never any time to relax and smell the roses in the singles sense. So the tag team stuff has definitely just been, it's been the most fun. And it's immortalized on my arm. I have the North logo tattooed here on the inside of my sleeve. So uh, the North will be a part of me forever. And I think the North's never gonna actually go away. We will see if uh, we can resurrect Ethan Page from the death one day, but uh, you know,
0: the um obviously with the North being not disbanded, I like say, currently on hiatus, I suppose would be a good term to use. Um, you've really stepped through, I mean, you know, like I say, it, it's difficult not to come across as a bit of a fanboy, but ultimately I've spent a lot of time on the podcast highlighting you as a potential world champion across a number of major promotions. Um I like to think that that's not just because of my fandom, but also because genuinely the talent and the work ethic and the presentation shines through more so than a lot of incredible talents in our own right. Uh, And now, uh, obviously, we're recording this the day after No Surrender, which uh, some people might see as quite a big marquee level moment for you, Uh, an apex moment in your career, obviously, Uh, winning the first ever Revolver match, which was fucking awesome, (laughs) putting it it mildly. you're going to be going after the X division championship. And I know you mentioned, of course, how important guys like AJ Styles, Joe, Jerry Lynn, uh, people who pretty much reinvented uh, wrestling in a certain way. I don't want to say cruiserweight because obviously this is a no limits division. And it has really defined itself for me as the really the marquee value matchups of impact. Anyone who remembers TNA to impact, you'll be able to mention the X division most likely before you do anything else. So obviously I know you, there's going to be a lot of, pressure that you're going to put on yourself to perform there, but you now have an opportunity to be an impact wrestling champion going forward. So, um, how does it feel stepping out almost again into the light as a singles wrestler? And what do you hope to achieve from the X division? And are you looking hopefully just from a selfish standpoint, uh, towards even greater things with the world championship at some point? Uh,
1: first and foremost, uh, yes, I, I got into this business to be a champion. I want to be regarded as one of the best. That's the only goal I have left on my bucket list. And the only way I can do that is to win championships and hold championships. So uh, selfishly, for selfish reasons, I want to win that X division championship. That X division championship means a great deal to me. Mm-hmm. It, I wouldn't be a professional wrestler right now if it wasn't for that X division. Uh, so selfishly, yes, I would want to check that off my bucket list, but the Impact World Heavyweight Championship is definitely in my sights. And as are all in any championships uh, going forward. Uh, Stepping out into the light as a single star now after so much success in the tag team division for the last two years. It's definitely been uh, kind of uh, different. I I would have a completely different answer if we weren't in these uh, COVID-19 times of lockdown. Because as an independent wrestler, right now I have no independent book. I, I don't fulfill any bookings outside of my impact dates mm. and that's mainly because of travel issues because I'm international to go anywhere and it's just a headache uh unfortunately but before when even during the tag team run nearly you know the first year and a half of it I was wrestling three to four times a week all singles Pretty much. There was very rare independent dates that would book the North because tag teams are expensive. You have to fly two people, you have to put two people in a hotel, you have to pay two different people. It's much easier to just bring one half of the tag team champions and put them on the marquee. So I was flying around like crazy having marquee matchups in every single town I was in, always doing, you know, what I inevitably have to try to do and steal the show, whether you know my body permits or not. And I I just felt like the sharpest wrestler I'd ever been in my life at that time. I could, I could show up on a moment's notice and step in the ring with somebody I don't even know and go 30 minutes in a main event. And I would be completely confident without even, you know, knowing who they were beforehand. It was just a weird zone I was in from being just that repetitive traveling wrestler, which is what I wanted to always be. Uh, Right now in these COVID times without being able to, you know, practice my, uh, uh, I, I guess just be practice that repetition of matches. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's different. There's, a, there's a, a different type of confidence you have to bring to the table. And it's, it's nothing to do with ha- not having a crowd at the, crowd at the impact zone. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with me just being on my own. It's just, I, for me, I need to do a lot of work to feel ready. Uh, The same thing applies to me at the gym. I I have to do an hour of cardio every single day when, you know, I don't need to. It's probably a detriment to me to even do that much. But mentally, I have to check off this box. I have to work harder than, you know, I think I should. And the same thing applies to wrestling. I just don't feel like I'm doing enough right now to uh, make me feel as ready as I can be, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, there was, um, I, I tend to, I don't really, as you probably noticed, I don't line up a list of questions. I react to our guests, which I'm very proud of, to be honest. Um, yeah. And one thing that really struck a chord with me there was obviously mentioning the fact you're an international wrestler, you know, it's not a North American wrestler. It's not a an American wrestler or a Canadian. It's an international wrestler. And obviously the reason that you probably became aware of us is because we were talking about that, the, Inabilities and the difficulties that come with traveling, people don't realize. We likened it to the um the English Scottish border. It's a lot easier for me to get in a car, drive up to Scotland, boom. You know, no, I don't get hit with border patrols or anything like that. United Kingdom is very much that. So, people don't realize that actually crossing the American border, you know, you have to be professional about it. You don't just hop over and go, "Good morning, Yankees," and off we go. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So. I wanted um, not only to, obviously, I've been desperate to chat to you for a while, but at the same time, I wanted to afford you the opportunity to explain yourself, because obviously you know better than I do, and better than most people, what it's like, not only being an international wrestler, but being a Canadian independent wrestler that has to go through all the tremerities and difficulties that come with being an independent wrestler. For me, for instance, the difficulties might be, oh, can I get a lift somewhere? Oh, can I crash on someone's sofa or whatever and for me those are minute difficulties that actually I enjoy that's part of the enjoyment of it but for yourself obviously comes with a great deal of difficulty and there's been some wonderful people including yourself who have spoke so eloquently and in very classic Canadian fashion so politely and yet so professionally about the situation um is there anything in particular that really stands out to you that maybe? either bugs you or might just be of an issue to you in this scenario is there something that maybe you'd like to highlight to people about the difficulties that come with being a Canadian wrestler
1: uh that's a I could talk for an hour about that (laughs) specific question it's just uh it's just it's evolved over the years when I first started Hmm. uh it was illegal for Americans to cross into Canada and Canadians to cross into America Mm. Uh, somewhere around 2007 I believe and I think this was spearheaded by WWE and getting the legislation changed but because in the law it says if you're a professional wrestler you're a performer not a competitor or something like that and you are allowed to cross and make money and do your job without having to get a visa as per WWE superstar or like Mm. or alike so that just made me think that WWE was the one that did it and I've heard rumors that they were the ones that like really spearheaded this so that they could, you know, run a house show in Buffalo and then jump across the border and run a show in Canada and then go back without having to do, because they used to have to come up here and just run a Canadian tour, which Canada's enormous. So driving across Canada, trying to get a show every 300 miles is pretty crazy. But, uh, so it's evolved from that. In 2007, once that switched, you saw a flood of American wrestlers coming up to Canada to get indie bookings. Because anybody and everybody could, and it was worth the risk then, because there was no risk before that. It was only guys that were, you know, uh, maybe Claudio Castagnoli or Eddie Kingston or Larry Sweeney. These are names of guys that I saw in independent shows before that happened, and they were they were still outlaws. They were still trying to skate through the system and try to get across, much like uh, Canadians have to do to go to America, because getting a work visa is nearly impossible. I, I. I paid 3,500 American dollars, which is more than 35 American Canadian, sorry, 3,500 Canadian dollars, uh, to apply. And AAW, a fairly large promotion out of Chicago, met the criteria. They ran enough shows per year that would, you know, justify me making enough of a living to warrant a visa. Because I, as a Canadian or anybody international, needs to be Uh, needs to prove without a reasonable doubt that I am worthy of that job over any other American. So I'm not taking away an American's opportunity for that position Mm -hmm. because they, they can't fill my shoes is the argument. Uh, I sent in all this information, you know, you're sending in your PVUI lists, which are, it's obscene that you have to send that list because it's some list that some guy made up. I could just like, I wish I could just call Dan Murphy or whoever was making the list and be like, hey, can you put me in the top 10 this year? Because then I'll get a visa. Because this guy reading will be like, oh, it must be a big deal. He's right beside John Cena. But, you know, I'm 261. So he's reading through it. And he's like, I never heard of any of these guys. Blah, blah, blah. I get denied. They keep the money. That's it. After six months of lawyers and all this other stuff. Whatever. Uh, so I would not... Uh, As a guy that ran a wrestling school, I've never suggested that anybody try to pursue getting a visa on their own. Unless you have a sponsor for a television company, I don't think anybody's gonna take you seriously. So MLW, Ring of Honor, AEW, Impact Wrestling, or WWE. Those are your five ways to get into America. And I don't believe there's anybody else that can even get one. Uh, Furthermore, I tell all my students and anybody that asks me this question, Uh, don't even worry about going to America. There's so many people that have been trained because of it was people like Kevin Steen and Sami Zayn who went to PWG and made an effort themselves in Combat Zone Wrestling and immediately blew up and their careers were you know they they skyrocketed. Same Mm. thing was happening to myself and Ethan Page and Mike Bailey and Evil Uno and Stu Grayson and three of the five ran into some major border issues that kept Eva Luno, stu grayson and mike bailey out of america Mm. and i think mike bailey would be one of the biggest wrestlers on the planet earth today if he was still able to wrestle in america with that run he was having in pdbg but Mm. the rug gets pulled out from under you and uh it got to a point where it just wasn't worth it for me i was applying to be a police officer i didn't want to have a record at the border And I was being threatened with being banned, which would be something very tough to explain to any law enforcement agency up here. Uh, That didn't work out for me, but uh, eventually I ended up getting a sponsor. My, My advice for all wrestlers in Canada or in any other country that is obsessed with America, leave America alone. It's not, unless you have like an ironclad way to get in and it's worth the risk, you save those opportunities for when it's worth the risk. If you were given an opportunity on a GCW show or something where everybody's gonna be watching it, go for it, but do not cross the border for some, sorry to say, some like shindy in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Like sure, you might network and you might be working with somebody that might be able to put you over somewhere else to get you another opportunity. But if you get banned for that, what is it worth? My advice is to do what I did uh, and try to make yourself the biggest fish in this smaller pond called Canada. I, I, I literally refocused and I just said, I'm going to make sure that if people talk about the Canadian independence, I'm the number one person they're going to mention on that list. And I, I still, to this day, if there was independence, I'd be doing that. But that was what I did to get signed. I, you, you mentioned Destiny. I made sure that I climbed the ladder at destiny because I knew destiny was putting on the biggest marquee matchups in Canadian history, like with people like Pete Dunne coming in and they were booking like insane stuff. Like, I think they had impact champion and like every other champion Austin Aries against Pete Dunne for the UK championship in like a mega dream match. And like just looking at it as somebody on the show, when that main event went out, you're just like, this would never happen anywhere else. So like, Just stuff like that. I I knew that I had to become a big deal there and work my ass off to get over there. And I just made sure that every independent, anytime anybody got brought in, I would usually be the guy to be put with them so that I could network and make a bigger name for myself. Because if Johnny Impact comes to an independent show in Canada and he wrestles me, and then he turns around and goes back to Impact and you know, Don Callis says, Hey, how was that show up there? And, you know, wherever. And he says, Oh, it was great. That Josh Alexander guy is awesome. That's just him hearing my name. You know what I mean? And it's just like subliminal. So eventually it paid off. And that's my advice to everybody is just, you you look at it like you're a fish in a pond and just make yourself the biggest fish in that pond. And once that pond becomes too small for you, another pond is going to pick you up. it's just inevitable you're not gonna you're not gonna run out of food and water in this pond if you're that good so just make yourself the best you can be because you don't want to end up in jail or banned or something like that it's not worth it i
0: love the analogy about fish actually i don't think we've had that much conversation about fish to be <laughs> like so i'm quite impressed by that um from a more lighter side of wrestling Working for Destiny, which was my first real foreigner, It's amazing, isn't it? Because, obviously, I can name, you know, umpteen amounts of Canadian wrestlers, all-time greats, world-class talents, but I can't name you more than maybe three or four Canadian promotions. I could name mm-hmm. you, off the top of my head, 30 American ones. Uh, I know a lot of Japanese ones. I know ones in Africa. You know, I, I really study everything I can about wrestling, but even I was sitting there thinking... Okay, so you've got Destiny and you've got Ethan Page's gang and what else is going on? Like, you know, the kind of like as soon as Stampede sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of filtered away from the scenario and the system in Canada. um, It feels like even though Canada was producing some of the best wrestlers of all time and will continue to do so for God knows how long in history, um, the independence scene itself seemed to struggle. So obviously Destiny Wrestling comes along. They have entrusted you as a champion and rightfully so as far as we're concerned and you got to wrestle guys like Pete Dunne. Um, what's the... Uh, The sense of pride that comes with being at Destiny Wrestling, which, like you say, is putting on the biggest matches, the biggest marquee matches that independent wrestling in Canada has ever seen, bar none. The pride of knowing that you're front and center of that. Uh, Do you ever get a chance to sort of step back and say, I'm Josh Alexander. I'm one of the best wrestlers in the world right now.
1: one of the best wrestlers in Canada.
0: Or do you never afford yourself that mentally?
1: I, I never... I never do. My, my wife tries to stop me and slow me down to like to smell the roses and do that kind of thing. But uh, I, I just, I, I don't know what it is. It's probably the way I was raised or the way I grew up. I just, I, I've never thought highly enough of myself to uh, ever stop and think like that. And uh, there, there are moments where like uh, when, I, when I beat Pete Dunne and I won the championship, we I mean, unified or whatever, uh that that was probably the biggest moment in my career so far like he was still WWE uk champion and i was like i knew that like i was gonna win and i was going into it and i was just like how is this gonna happen like we're gonna have some like ref bump another person's gonna make it a three-way with some briefcase you know because he can't lose or something and mm. it, it just uh, they came up to me and told me and it was like yeah tombstone there you go and i was just like wow you know what I mean like to me that's like huge and I was just like cool man like that that that'll that'll go in my memories forever and uh like same with Marty and all these other big marquee matchups like I told George very early on I did a, a cage match against Moose and if you watch this match I'm literally a punching bag for Moose for a solid 15 to 20 minutes I am taking the biggest bumps imaginable in a ring that they forgot to take the jack stand out of the middle for the kickboxing class earlier in the day. So when I miss a moonsault off the top of the cage, the ring doesn't move, but my bones all moved. I literally felt my bones shaking inside my my body. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I came back from that match and everybody was just completely blown away. And I went from a heel going into the match to a baby face because of all the bumps I took. And I got like a standing ovation on the walkout and George the booker the promoter the owner of destiny wrestling was just blown away and he was like what do we do with you next and I was just like just keep giving me good matches and let me try to build my own name with match quality and stuff like that because like I'm a fan of like Brian Danielson and all these guys from early on when I was a fan who built their name off being marquee matchups every time they never gave the fans less than their all and the fans repaid them in time and that's what's happened to me in Canada now the fans in Canada if, if you tend to show you know you're going to get your money's worth every time I step put in the ring and that's after 16 years of hard work you can say that when you see me and I take a lot of pride in that so I told George just give me the ball and I promise I won't drop it and uh so far so good <laughs> COVID has made me the longest reigning destiny champion of all time and uh, I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of people that about super long rains now but uh he uh he's informed me that there's some big stuff on the horizon so hopefully show start up soon here and uh we can start rolling those out cuz the stuff he's told me just it's insane if you thought the stuff before was big it's going to get even bigger the um... What
0: was cool about Destiny was, uh, especially that match as well, some people would argue, obviously, we don't know the ins and outs. We're looking for the outside in. Um, that opens the door for Impact Wrestling in a lot of ways. You know, you had that wonderful moment with Scott Demore in the ring. There's that beautiful image that there's clearly a lot of emotion. There's a lot of culmination of hard graft and hard work that, not many people you know because even then as you'll be able to attest to far more than anyone like myself would be able to attest to at least in the wrestling side of business um that doesn't guarantee you the opportunity to become a star um you could work your entire life and you know have a great time but ultimately you may not be afforded the opportunity to work for a bigger company like an impact and when you think about impact and the prestige that comes with that and all the well i mean we're talking some of the greatest wrestlers that have ever lived have come through those doors at one point or another another and now you know you've you have the opportunity not only to work there but be regarded as one of the bigger talents there as well um it's kind of a double-edged uh, question really because ultimately I want to know what it's like being at impact now, obviously, and what that's like in comparison to the graph that came before that. Cause I know you and judging from what I've heard from you already, you're not going to give yourself any credit for getting through the doors of impact. You're like, Nope, that's not good enough until I quite literally destroy the entire roster with the world's best ankle lock. And I saw people moaning about the ankle lock. I haven't got time for that bollocks. <laughs> um, that's just boring to me. Um, but for me, uh, I see you in impact and I think that's awesome, but also because of COVID and like you mentioned COVID and you know myself as well, included, being an independent artist, it's difficult to make a living for, for a lot of us. Impact feels, I don't want to say it's a safety net, I think because... You know, you've earned your position to be there, but at the same time, that's probably your only real viable option to craft and to show people the artistic side of you as an incredibly violent walking weapon that you are. Has Impact Wrestling in some ways kind of been a savior to your wrestling career so far in this period? Because this is such a, you know, there's no manual for being in a pandemic. And there sure as hell ain't a manual for being a wrestler, an independent wrestler in a pandemic. So in some ways, does it feel like Impact Wrestling is kind of that saving grace?
1: Yeah, I I said it a few weeks ago that like, I'm very fortunate to have a contract with impact wrestling right now and to be figured into their shows every four to six weeks for their tapings you know uh the thought of you know it's almost been a year if I sat out for an entire year the thought of that and and not because it's a year out of wrestling but because it's a year out of the prime of my career like I'm in the prime years of my career right now This is where I'm supposed to be the busiest. This is where I'm supposed to be making the biggest name for myself. This is where I'm supposed to have the biggest matches. Uh, And, you know, I have to take what I can get, which I'm very thankful for. I will not take for granted. And I will not uh, be one of these people that likes to comment and say that, you know, people should just work harder to get their opportunities or whatever, because I'm, I could just be a guy, I could be a big fish in the small pond of Canada that never got this contract. And I, I'll fully admit that like it, 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 all it takes is, you know, Scott Moore saying, Oh, I like that guy. And Don Callis being like, mm, I like this guy better. You know what I mean? Like, mm. th- I don't know what happened. I will ask the question one day because it bothers me all the time. I don't know why I was chosen and why I got signed, but, or what was the catalyst, but uh, I, I sure would like to know. Uh, but yes, I'm very fortunate to be able to do this every, you know, block of taping still. Because this is this is the only thing I love to do. This is the only thing I feel I'm meant to do. Uh, I bust my ass to try to be the best I can at it. And the thought of not having it in my life would just leave something, you know, leave a void.
0: Yeah, the I don't think that the great thing about this interview is not only do I get to tick off one of the biggest, you know, opportunities on my bucket list. There's somebody trying to create and improve, but... Also, I get an opportunity to people hopefully will watch this and realize how important Impact Wrestling is. That it isn't just about these two big huge promotions. It's a standard question. You've probably been asked it many times. Um, is there a real hunger to work for other promotions? Because from what I can tell, you're not going to be happy until you are literally at the pinnacle. Is there a desire to be at the WrestleManias, the Wrestle Kingdoms, the, the double or nothings of the world?
1: Uh, I said it a million times, I never had the dream of being in WrestleMania main event, WrestleMania or anything like that. That you hear people being like, you know, once they achieve it, they have like that desire video, and they're like, I dreamt of this when I was four years old, and I knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> no, nope, not me. Sorry. Uh, I have things on my bucket list that I just. Everything revolves around. I don't know why. Uh, like peers of mine will laugh at me for it or think less of me because. It seems like it's a cool thing these days, especially in locker rooms, to not. To, it's almost like a like a I don't know. To not care makes you cooler or something like that, and I, I just don't have I don't have it in me to like not care and not show that I care and not say that I care all the time. Like, does that make me love this more than one of those other guys? Maybe not, but I'm just verbalizing it all the time and not trying to act like I'm something I'm not. So I'll be completely honest with you. I like everything on my bucket list revolves around big matchups with the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, I don't have a dream of being main event at the Tokyo Dome, but I sure do want to wrestle in Japan. I don't care if it's for Noah or All Japan or New Japan or Zero One or you know, doesn't matter. I I, I want to get to Japan. That's like the one thing I haven't done uh aew wwe impact wrestling ring of honor all these other companies i would gladly wrestle in any of them uh i'm motivated by matchups by opportunity and you know impact has given me a great opportunity right now there's a lot of good matchups i can have i'm very happy at impact wrestling and i'm not leaving until i get that X Division championship and that uh heavyweight championship so
0: yeah, the match with TJP, or at least that's what we're looking at right now. Obviously, I, I still try and be a fan because I feel that it's hard to enjoy it if you don't still try and be a fan. Because <laughs> I just, you know, I, obviously, we've all got a little smarkiness or smart mark, whatever you want to use the term. But the match with TJP is very exciting because it kind of feels like the purists match, to world-class technical wrestlers and um, actually you answered one of our I had four questions actually from some of our most dot-hard listeners one was Tanvir and he actually wanted to know what promotions do you currently look at um, that you would want to work for and what country have you not wrestled in that you would love to uh, due to culture fan base or other factors that's Tanvir who lives in South London um, is there anything else you'd like to add actually in terms of answering that question is there anywhere, is there a country in particular that really stands out to you Japan would
1: be number one just because I I've grown to love so many of the wrestlers and so many of the styles mm. that have been like perfected down there, and like not just that, just like my heroes built their names in Japan before they came here and found success. And uh, you know, I just want to walk in their footsteps, kind of so to speak. I want to do the same experiences that my heroes did. And uh, so Japan would be number one, but I want to wrestle in every single country on this planet. I think it would just be awesome.
0: The um, one the one thing that first struck me when I saw you was physicality, like vicious physicality. And I can speak now from a small amount of experience. You seem like an incredibly lovely human being in every sense. And everyone I know has interacted with you has said so, but that doesn't mean you won't break their ankles at a moment's notice. That's kind of cool. I like that. <laughs> I admire that. Um, but I remember parts of your career neck injuries and you have an astonishing reputation like you know we hear about the Mick Foley's of the world and everyone talks about how as a wrestler you carry injuries and I myself broke my ankle in my debut and I was like oh (laughs) that's just the way it is crack on for three months don't bother getting x-rayed classic wrestler mentality (laughs) so but you are the pinnacle of this you've pretty much wrestled you know everyone remembers Kurt Angle you know (laughs) I won a gold medal with a broken freaking net Josh Alexander has wrestled a good portion of his career with astonishing levels of injury um that were exacerbated or re-aggravated during you know different matches um obviously I don't want you to tell me what that's like because no shit it hurts (laughs) but through that do you think you are the wrestler you are now because of that because of that grit that determination that vicious attitude of i don't give a shit what's broken i will work and i will work better than every single man in this locker room um it's a pretty obvious answer but i imagine that's kind of one of the real big things that's brought you to this point and you could probably look back at and say has been a real motivator for success
1: yeah yeah absolutely uh i think in the same token i said as a lot of guys you know want to act cool and stuff like that a lot of guys i think like the perspectives changed Mm -hmm. which is good because back in the day it was you were hurt that was just like the thing and that was well before my time but -hmm. that was all the stories i've heard coming up and you know now Nobody works hurt really if you don't want to. And the only way you're going to work hurt is if you don't tell people that you're hurt. And, uh, you know, to my detriment, sometimes, yes, I will work through things because this match is advertised and people bought tickets for it. And this is the match they want to see. And even me at 75% to do this match, you know, I'll squeak it out and make sure that they don't notice. But uh, luckily, other than my neck, I have been quite fortunate with injuries for the amount of wrestling I've done. I've had probably nearly 1,500 matches in my career, which is a lot. And, uh, you know, I've had, I missed nine months total. I, uh, <laughs> the, the reputation you're talking about is kind of unfortunately what I've gained over the last three years because I, I tore my pec
0: mm. and I didn't
1: miss any time. I tore my bicep and I missed one match. And I broke my heel, and I have yet to mismatch. So, I uh, like as long as I can't further hurt myself, and I'm not putting anybody in the ring at a detriment to be in the ring with me, and their safety, then I, I don't think it's an issue. Because after breaking my neck, man, like that's the most unimaginable pain you can imagine. Like I, 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 I can't even. You're taking the nerve, and you're crushing it. And then it just, it, it feels like you're on fire. And I remember when I did it, I was stuck in Chicago and I had a booking the next day and then I was driving 10 hours home. So I sat around and Eddie Kingston, if you ever have him on this program, he can attest to this because he was in the hotel room with me that night and the whole drive there. Uh, I took like 60 row backs a set, just trying to like numb the pain out. And it would just, just take the edge off enough and I remember I got, it was like 36 hours later, I drive straight to Canada. As soon as I get to Canada, I go to a hospital because I need this free healthcare. I'm not paying $47,000 to have my neck, neck looked at in America. Uh, and they put me on Demerol, which was like the strongest medication for pain. And it wasn't working. Wow. And the nurse was like, how do you feel? And I was just like, it's still, I'm still dying here. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. And she was just like, well, this should be working. We can't give you any more because it'll just kill you. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just have to wait for the nerve to die. So it was like three weeks. Wow. You're sitting there waiting and finally the nerve dies off and the pain goes away and you have that relief. But to to live through that three weeks, like you can't tell me that a tear in my muscle is going to be worse than anything like that. Like it's, it, you're talking about like that's an itch compared to whatever I felt with my neck. So uh i think it's just mentally prepared me for whatever comes next but uh knock on wood been very lucky with injuries i've had no major things other than my neck so the um it's uh, it's, it's a testament to me being tough or dumb i don't know what it is <laughs> a
0: little bit of both possibly but i'm not going to use the latter because i don't want to get murdered um the uh, it's something actually i wanted to touch on very quickly um because i obviously don't want to take all your time off thought i like, could easily do that. Uh obviously being in Canada, healthcare system very different to America. We have a similar healthcare national health service over here, which means we're afforded a, a relative amount of free healthcare. Certainly a lot more than you would in the United States. What's the um like you said, obviously, you know, you pretty much suffered through 10 hours of driving and obviously taking that time out and thinking well you know I'm not gonna fork that over in America sod that I'll go back to Canada and get that done what's that like that kind of balance is it another reason for you to say to your students like you say pay more attention to Canada and the system because ultimately also our healthcare will look after you a lot more should things go badly for you
1: yeah, well like after that experience I started purchasing travel insurance. So, <laughs> I invested in <laughs> yeah. things that yeah, a- after I didn't need it. But the the whole reason for me driving back was cuz when i my ear got kicked off my head, mm. uh for them to just drain it with a syringe cost me $700. Wow. I was in and out in 10 minutes. So it's just it's just like different. Uh I, I I don't want to be stuck in debt so it was just it was worth the pain for 10 hours
0: yeah the um and obviously you mentioned your ears and that obviously you wear the helmet and um or the strapping however you want to put it um i obviously know now from what i could see and you know i've been perusing your social media for some time not stalking just looking for information and things like that. i saw a tweet about draining ears cauliflower ears, and that now obviously rugby is a big thing over here i've played rugby quite a lot and, that requires a lot of that kind of stuff and I'm very lucky and blessed that my ears are relatively unscathed but that would be the major reason I believe why you wear that helmet is it not but is there anything you'd like to add to that because actually what's really cool is when I see you come out and you put that strap on for me that reminds me of when Kurt Angle you know with the straps and things like that each wrestler has a niche each wrestler has something that kind of they identify with whether it be you know something as simple as AJ Styles pulling his hoodie off when he poses, you know, um, for you it's it's that headgear and the way that strap goes on. There's a sense of yeah, the classic JR mannerism of business is about to pick up. Josh Alexander is here and he's now about to stretch some full. Um, is it part of your identity now? Do you like almost feel like it's kind of one with you in a way?
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I, I remember the first time I wore it. It was in a large promotion here in Canada called C4. And it was in a three with Mike Bailey and uh, another guy named Hacker Scotty O'Shea. And it was, I was two weeks removed from having my ear sewn back on my head. And I had that show on like a Friday and that Sunday was the big AIW show that I had to make where Mm -hmm. my ear had fallen off my head that the whole reason why this started. So I like the doctor gave me a choice. So we're like, you can take three to six months off wrestling for your ear or you know well the, sorry
0: oh sorry we've lost your audio there. all right oh yeah there we go sorry the audio just went <laughs> oh, sorry about that
1: my oh, okay. headphones sorry about that <laughs> Yeah, no, they didn't give me a choice. They said three to six months off, and I said, "Well, I'm gonna try wearing headgear. I don't know." So I got this, and I was like, "Oh, this looks lame. This is like, ugh." But I wore it on the first show, and you know, on my entrance, I got the Rick Steiner barks, and I got the "Hey, Princess Leia" or whatever. You know, I've heard it all at this point. But uh, I love Rick Steiner. You know, <laughs> yeah, but people still want to bark and say that I'm doing like a, a cheap knockoff rather than you know a tribute, which honestly it was never a tribute to Rick Steiner it was something that luckily I was able to pull off because it kind of got me through these big matches I had at that time in my career and now it's just become a part of my identity uh I have people come up to me from all walks of professional wrestling and be like nobody's been able to pull that off since Rick Steiner people have tried and they have failed I don't know (laughs) why but and like it's just me and him are known for that now and clearly, he's way more well known. But you know, one day maybe I might climb the ladder and be just as known for the headgear as him. But uh, it, it it's weird because it was like a joke when it first started. Every every booking I came out to, I would get the barking and like the comments and the headphones and the whatever. And now, like I walk out and just nobody says anything. Like, <laughs> People are way more into like the entire package of it, which is like, I I don't know if it's just the way I am now as a more like seasoned professional wrestler, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm super comfortable with it. I think if I had to take it off and get rid of it, uh, I would feel naked.
0: I, I must admit the first time I saw you with it, I didn't realise it. I, I honestly thought it's because, you know, because you have a very catch-wrestling. I like catch-wrestling. I'm really into that. And uh, I really like genuine shooters. And I just thought that was because you literally were going to stretch someone. <laughs> I was like, cool. Um, you know, so it works <laughs> for me. It's part of the package. Uh, I appreciate we're around the hour mark. So, obviously, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. Uh, I did have a couple of questions that I felt uh, compelled to answer. Um, if you... Uh, God forbid if you feel yourself wanting to spend more time watching the WrestlePlug, you'll recognize some of these names down the line. Aaron Cruz, a young lad that I actually train with out of Portsmouth in the United Kingdom, he'd like to know, he's very young lad, uh, very fresh and impressionable in this business, and he'd like to know um, if you have any advice for him as a wrestling trainee. He's just kind of actually broken out himself in terms of tag team wrestling, and He's really looking to, uh, I think, not only bulk up, um, but obviously follow a lot of the kind of work mentality and the things that you've embedded into people around you and yourself over time. Is there anything you'd like to give to any young wrestlers really watching, myself included, even I'm an old wrestler? Uh, any advice you can give for people just starting out, things that may help with conditioning and all that kind of stuff?
1: Um. Well, without getting into super specifics, uh, I usually give everybody the advice that I didn't learn until after I had neck surgery nearly 10 years into wrestling. Uh, I had to retire and, you know, I had to think about coming back. And finally, after nine months, I came back. And when I came back, I had a whole decade long career to look back on and fix every regret i ever had and the regrets i had were although i was naturally gifted and talented in a professional wrestling sense i had great footwork i had great timing i had nice strikes i had this and that and i had knowledge and an ability to have a wrestling match i never completed the package i didn't look like a star i didn't work out enough i didn't take my diet seriously i didn't take my own personal health seriously i just i was going with the flow And if you want, if you truly want to be successful, if you want to be on TV, if you want to work for any of these major companies, you have to work harder than everybody else around you because they're all gutting for the same spots and there's only so many. So that's my number one advice to anybody. It's just look at everybody around you. I don't care if they're your friends, if you're tag team partners, I don't care who they are and just use them as the measuring stick and know that you have to work harder than them because you're all vying for the same spots at the end of the day. That's first and foremost, second, uh, my easiest advice is if you have a stair mill in your gym, I find that to be the number one cardio machine for pro wrestling. Uh, I had not, I had not known that Ric Flair did this every single day for an hour before I started doing it. But when I started doing it, I just, I found the stairs to be easier on my knees and my back than running. And, uh, I just bang out an hour and watch wrestling while I'm doing it. And I just – I, I, I kind of mentally zone in and pretend that I'm whoever's in the match at the time and, you know, try to be like – like, I don't drink water when I do cardio because you won't get water when you're in a match, stuff like that. And that's why I have this gas tank that seems to be revered around professional wrestling. It's just I make sure I do the work for the cardio and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that would be probably my first port of call because – It hit me in the face, especially starting at 33 years old. I was like, wow, (laughs) conditioning wise, I wasn't ready for that. And, you know, even with my size, I thought, okay, I've, got to tell it. so it's actually kind of cool to hear that and obviously I've, i really love the idea of actually sort of almost suspending your ability to drink water during the cardio because like you say you're not just going to jump out of the ring um that reminds me of a story actually jim Cornette told about batista would have um <laughs> he would have uh, inhalers under the ring to catch his breath because his conditioning was not to par. and you look at someone like yeah okay fair enough um but i wouldn't really want to take that kind of shortcut um Sam Oates from Essex in the United Kingdom, uh, he says, what match uh, do you wish you could have been a part of? And I imagine what he means is like, you know, famous matches you might have seen or even something that might have been right in front of you. Is there a match that you saw and thought, oh man, I should have been in that match?
1: I, I mean, there's like a million scenarios. I wish I could have wrestled Kenta Kobashi in New York for Ring of Honor yeah. or, you know, <laughs> I wish I could have wrestled Okada at Wrestle Kingdom four years ago. Um yeah, no, I can't, I can't think of any specific like that, that I would take away. Uh, I definitely have matches that like mean a great deal to me and to put me into them instead of like the other people that have made it so special to me, I think it would just it would make it different. I, I sure would love to have been thrown in a match with, you know, Eddie Guerrero at some point in my career though. Know? Yeah. So I, I would have taken like, you know, Edge or somebody out on a SmackDown and wrestled Eddie.
0: I'd love to see you wrestler. Edge is like one of my biggest heroes. So that'd be so sick. Um, uh, last question from Alex Delanzo who lives in uh, North London, actually. Uh, he'd like to know what the predominant differences are. Cause he knows that you're a very strong and very renowned tag team wrestler. Um, but he says, what's it like going from tag team wrestling to singles matches? And ultimately what are kind of the key differences there? Is there a different kind of preparation? Does it feel like there's, um, less of a safety net in terms of being a singles wrestler because ultimately, you know, there isn't an ability to tag out if you gassed or if something goes wrong. You're out there kind of more by yourself. What are the key differences between being a singles wrestler and a tag
1: team wrestler? Uh, I think cardio comes into play a little bit more because you have to depend on yourself and you have no idea how long that match is going to go. So you'll never get a rest on in a singles match, <laughs> regardless. Uh, number one, I just think there's less personalities involved. So. You know, you're talking about two people instead of four at any given time when you're, you know, going into a match or in a match. Uh, so it's just less to worry about. So I, I honestly, like from a wrestling perspective of putting on matches, singles matches are much easier. Uh, tag team takes a lot more preparation. And if you're going to do it right, you're going to do it well, uh, which is one of the challenges and why Ethan and I both loved it so much. But uh yeah, I, I just think cardio would be the main thing.
0: Fair. fair. Um, I wanted to ask one question myself because I never asked questions and I thought I'm going to be selfish because you're genuinely one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Um, I love the match with the Dinas, the compound match. Um I, I love wrestling that can also entertain. I don't think the wrestling should just be solely about, you know, an Iron Man match and there should never be any promotion. You know, I, I hear people say no fun and all that, and I can be a bit of a curmudgeon, but I love that match. It's so entertaining and everyone loves Ethan, but you would have heard, and I like to think everyone loves you just as much. And <laughs> everyone seems to think that you're like the really angry, serious guy that will kill everybody, but... No, i don't know whether that is truly the case or not i'm sure there's a little bit of that in there but take me back to that match the first time you know that okay we're gonna film a match in a dina compound <laughs> like what's going through josh alexander's mind have you had any experience coming into that or was that just something fresh like what was that day like being involved in such a unique match which actually won so many awards in so many different podcasts and publications
1: well i i i loved it i i was looking forward to it going into it because like i never get to do that stuff my character is you know straight laced professional wrestler when people compare me to people they're never comparing me to like Santino morella you know what i mean (laughs) so uh but like i've had matches over the years with uh more comedic guys like Cole cabana or like beef wellington and other people and like when they're like itching for like a, oh what can i do here and like they're thinking like i'm the guy that goes hey what about this or what about this or what about this because i have 47 ideas in my head that i can't use by myself so like we show up for this like compound match and like we have some stuff written we have some stuff that we're just kind of improving we have another stuff that we're just coming up with on the fly and like between all of us we were able to like just chuck in all these ideas and try to be entertaining like there there was some crazy stuff that happened in that thing that didn't even make the cut (laughs) but uh yeah it was a blast i i I like doing different things
0: yeah i I remember that match and I think I love that match because I love seeing wrestlers doing something that they're not, I always maintain that I think you're going to love it more as a fan if you can tell how much a wrestler's enjoying themselves and I think even for yourself as somebody who is incredibly harsh on yourself and you know I, I kind of agree with your wife, stop just for a minute and realise how great you are please but um, ultimately even I could tell there was a bit of fun being had there and it was very cool and I imagine being around Even Page, he's going to do demand that fun is had at all times because he just seems like such a happy likeable person like yourself uh i will leave it there um i appreciate you taking your time out especially on valentine's day like i say it is just a coincidence josh hasn't joined me for an online day uh we can all keep dreaming in that regard man is happily married and congratulations on that and congratulations on being able to balance so many amazing things i think it's astonishing that Not only are you so inspiring to people like myself and everyone around us, um, but the fact you're able to do that while being a husband, while being a father, something that a responsibility I do not take on (laughs) and frankly wouldn't want to, but at the same time, um, it goes without saying, I greatly admire everything you've done. I'm very excited about what you're doing. I think it's so cool. I've had a chance to talk to you the day after a really big moment in your career, obviously winning that revolver match. Um, audibly are popped like a lunatic as a word (laughs) uh your opportunities are boundless you always have a home here if you'd like to come back on and discuss just canadian independent wrestling and what you'd like to get off your chest or if we can get you back on to delve more into what you've done in the past and what you hope to do in the future honestly it would be a massive honor but either way thank you so much for giving me just a small amount of your time and uh i wish you the greatest of success because you truly are one of the best wrestlers in the world sir
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. and I will come back on.
0: I awesome. Thank you right. very much for your time, Josh. Thank you so cool. much. Take care. Awesome. Thank you.